Welcome, everybody, to the Tip to Tail podcast brought to you by Eastwind Stockco Consulting and Rockin' AF Taxidermy with your hosts, Bear and Chase, where you'll find conversations involving breeders across the country, including everything from insightful happenings to best practices and other industry news. Let's get started. All right, here we are, our first episode of Tip to Tail Podcast with Chase and Bear. This is uh, episode number one, numero uno, and uh, what better way to get started than jumping in and, and talking about the uh, the hosts, Chase and myself. So uh, we got Chase Vasud on the line. He's rolling down the highway right now. Welcome, buddy. What's up? Oh, you know, just another day in the Longhorn world. Getting close to the legacy deadline, the hustle and bustle going on right now. Absolutely, it's, it's going to be a knockout lineup. Oh, you've worked really hard on it. We got some great cows coming in, and deadlines coming up. We'll we'll knock that out of the park too. So, you know, as we get started with this podcast, like I said, this is the first episode. We're going to air this one first. I don't know what we'll call it, the trailer or whatnot, but uh, you know, the whole basic idea. Of this is just introduce the people to you and I. Um, most people know who you are. You're the face of the Longhorn Legacy Group. You. Uh, managed the TLCA and the TLMA prior to that. Um, but uh, tell everybody, tell them a little bit about yourself. Yeah, yeah. So really, other than you know, my involvement with the Longhorn industry, that started, God, in 2009, um, or 2013, rather. Um, you know, been, been heavily involved in that. Out, outside of it, you know, obviously a big hunter, fisherman, uh, I love spending time with my wife. We got a little boy on the way. Um, all my dogs and even the um, strays that come along have little minion. But um, yeah, it's pretty much me. I'm I'm on the road. Love going to visit at ranches and people, and uh, you know, hit a hit kind of a point like everybody else does. You know, especially with people our age, or I guess I'm a lot younger than you. <laughs> um, it's like yeah, you get out. What do you want to do for a living? And kind of for me, it was quality of life above all else. And, you know, it's uh, just found something I loved and made a living out of it. I mean, there's people there sitting today that are punching a punching a clock nine to five, and we're cruising down the road and picking up cows and doing podcasts. I had Tell a, me which is better. Yeah, I had a professor in college one time, Dr. Miller. He taught, I don't know, I probably had three or four of his economics classes over the course of my six years in college. No, I'm not a doctor. Um, but uh, one of the things he said was, you know, if you uh, – if you love what you do, you never have to, never have to go to work. And um, I don't know, I'm 38 years old. I feel like I've lived that idea most of my life, most of my adult life. And I know that's something that you and I talk about frequently, um, you know, throughout the world or, or throughout what's happening within the world today. And, you know, our generation and whatever, the economy and COVID and all that other stuff that uh, that gets thrown at us. So, um I'm proud to to call you a friend and a partner on a lot of stuff and, um, you know, just work together the way we have. Oh, absolutely. And it's, like I said, it's, it's a fun time. I mean, I, for years, your side was more still philosophical than what a uh, professor told you. Mine was really just people tell me I couldn't do it. I get that too. So that's, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, watch this. Yeah, hold Still my don't beer. Know if I'm doing it, but I'm trying. Well, <laughs> hey, if as long as you keep moving, they're never going. They're never going to pin you down. So, um, you know, as a as a fellow gun enthusiast, I know you've heard that uh, 
that saying, if you're not shooting, you better be moving. And if you're not moving, you better be communicating. So, um, you know, it's, it's kind of the, kind of the same deal. So what, so other than, other than being like, uh, that's kind of me around. So a lot of people don't know that you're actually a Yankee. I am. I'm confused. Right. So I was, uh, born in Oklahoma. My parents split, moved to, my mom moved back to Pennsylvania spent time there between there and Oklahoma. And then I, you know, um, moved to Virginia when I was 24, um, and kind of all over the place. Right. And my, uh, I don't know, we all, it's interesting. And I think throughout these podcasts, we're going to experience a lot of interesting, different people and backgrounds. Um, and I think it's going to surprise a lot of people within the industry on where certain people come from, how they got to, and like, the paths that we all took to meet here right to meet here within the longhorn industry and and you know mine was that of different different people too uh um you know um so it's i don't know i love it i love the industry i love the people and and i love how how kind of everybody's got to to where we're going um you know, 38 years old. I've been involved in the industry heavily since I was 24 uh, when I began the ranch manager at G&G Longhorns. Uh, have a five five year old little girl that's absolutely the apple of my eye, and uh, you know, just kind of want to keep pushing and keep going through. I think I, I have a lot of similar drive that you have, where people told me I couldn't do it um, and that it, that it wasn't possible. So. Uh, well, t- tell me how you get started. I know I got a, 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 obviously our funny story on how you and I met, but uh, tell us tell us how you got started in Longhorn business. Yeah, it was you know, really for me. It was just growing up. My my dad played football at the University of Texas, and obviously there in Longhorns. Um, so I always wanted to be them. And I mean, my whole life, asked, we tried, never had them. The conceptions of yeah, these Longhorns are mean. They tear up fences. Um. And it really wasn't until uh, 2010, 2009, uh, my granddad was like, hey, let's go, let's go to a sale. And we went up to the LWC in Oklahoma City, uh, looked at a few didn't buy there, and then went around to the Eddie Wood Classic and bought our first one. So I'm um, really getting out started. Nobody wanted to do anything with them, but it was just uh, me and my granddad. When you say group, nobody, you mean your family? Yeah, they just, you know, they, they weren't as, um, you know, they're all obviously very supportive of what I want to do, but they weren't as enthusiastic as me and Pop-Pop. Yeah. Um, I mean, that, I mean that he was my road trip buddy. We, we probably drove 100,000 miles um, in our time just going to see ranches, and he was always ready to go. That, that for sure was Knuckles in a nutshell. He was down for anything. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he was ready to roll. Yeah, give us some ice cream and a blanket. We partied on. Mm-hmm. So what? So uh, you got involved. You got you, you bought some cows. How did you get um, involved with the TLMA? Uh, it was it was going up to the LWC um, at that point. Carol Chancy was uh, kind of doing the book work and, and all that. And, and for people who who don't know what the TLMA is, any newer oh, breeders, yeah. it's the Texas Longhorn Marketing Alliance. It was a organization established i think it was 2007 um and put together uh the event the longhorn world championships which chase is talking about and also uh, the texas longhorn journal was a publication they produced too uh as well as multiple sales across the industry yeah and it so the lwc is up in oklahoma city so 
you know, that was awesome. And then I, I met Carol Chancy there and, you know, I was, I was new. I was calling everybody that would talk to me. And, um, you know, from there, Wes asked me if I wanted to sell ads for the journal. <laughs> how'd that, uh, how'd that go? Cause I remember that specifically in 2013. I sold, I sold one, um, gosh, I can't, her name was like Kathy. She was selling those immobilizers. Okay. And for, and for like people, I mean, everybody's seen them. They're very, uh, phallic object. <laughs> yeah. So like me trying to write, it was, that was still old school, right? We had to draw out the ads. So I, I draw, which basically looks like a adult toy and try to send this thing in. But that was a, that was my first ad and we got paid on commission and uh, the lady never paid. So the first, <laughs> that should have been my friend flag. I, uh, so I remember, do you remember we were heading up to, we were, you, you came in to go bear hunting and you flew yeah. into Virginia and, and, uh, had a little Toyota Tacoma. We ran up to Jay Walters. We had to drop something off in Maryland. I can't remember what it was. And, uh, we had a conference call. Um, you know, we had a, a sales rep conference call or ad rep conference call that we would do with the, with the Texas Army Marketing Alliance at the time. And, and I remember that you didn't, you didn't last very long. You didn't like selling ads, which no. It was a that's a that was a rough deal. I shouldn't say that. It was, it was a grind. Um, I'm selling those ads. So, well, and that was way back when too. So like we don't have, you know, I think at that point too, like uh, hired hand had just gotten started. Yeah, so they, there was there was really no. I mean, it, we actually like selling the ads. One thing yes or no, you were heavily involved in the design process. Mm-hmm. And that's just, I mean, I I'm no. It, yeah, it was it was certainly a lot of work. So, yeah, you started selling ads. Then what? Then how to go? What happened from there? Uh, then from there, I got a call from Wes, who was the CEO at the time, and he says, "Hey, we're opening up a position, and I think you should interview." Um, and I remember I went to Deer Creek Longhorns, Frank Heverty's place, for my interview, and um, yeah, they, those guys are brutal. We're talking CEOs, guys who run multi-million dollar companies, and I'm just a uh, Whatever, at this point, a twenty-two-year-old kid. I had no idea. <laughs> there was, I, you know, I think men of significant means, right? Um, tremendous amount of buying power and whatever they wanted to do. Um, very skilled and had a lot of assets personally when it came to business, being businessmen. And uh, yeah, I, it's definitely intimidating to sit down in front of those guys. Um, but in the same sense, boy, it'd be harder to find nicer people. Uh, especially no. Frank and Michelle Heverdy's um, Deer Creek and Longhorns. Those, yeah, and those guys, I mean, I still talk to Frank. He's not involved anymore, but like Mike Casey was there, um, John Marshall, Zach Dameron, and Wes. And I'm just, I'm in there. They grilled me. I left and I was like, that's, I didn't get the job. And then um, I think a couple of days later, they called me and said, hey, you know, we want you to take it. That's pretty awesome. I think, and then, I mean, from there, you just you you ran with it, right? I mean, you blew up the LWC, you blew up the legacy sale, and and really kept what what those guys had established. And you also developed the Final Four fraternity, um, you know, model as well. So, I mean, you really kind of blew it up. It, I mean, and it was fun. It was a very supportive board. Um, you know, and even now moving to the legacy group, they were involved, but. It was really for me and the way I operate best is it was trial by fire. Wes said, hey, you're doing this. I had no idea about 
10 layouts or who to contact and it was just kind of a figure it out well uh, that, that that was Wes's mentality and thankfully they got the right guy in there who you know being 22 when you got that job you almost didn't know any better right so um yeah i mean i was i was green yeah um, well you didn't have any bad habits right as far as let's say bad habits as far as like that you just figured that that's just how it was and and you just took off with it which you know is the same is the same you know you're not 22 anymore but it's the same chase i know today like let's just get down and get dirty and get it done thriving in chaos yeah that's kind of our mentality so well mine mine i don't know similar in a lot of ways too but also not the same right i got grew up in the longhorn world my father was uh you wouldn't call him legacy or a legend in the, in the industry my godfather was the same way eddie wood and um i was fortunate as a kid to be that little snot-nosed kid they got to be a part of every backroom deal and every conversation that most people were unprivy of and uh, got to see how a lot of the inner, inner workings work. Nobody paid attention to me and, uh, you know, grew up and was going to go corporate and, uh, had a painting business going on and was doing really well with that. And, um, my father G and G needed a ranch manager at the time I was getting ready to graduate college. And my dad was bugging me about it. You know, you need to talk to Ben, you need to talk to Ben. And, uh, I said, dad, you know what? I got a, I got a good plan. Everything's working. I'm going to stick to it. And, one day, Rob Fenza called me, who I had worked for while I was in college of Northbrook Cattle Company up in Westchester, Pennsylvania. And Rob said, "You need to talk to Ben." And uh, August, or I'm sorry, May 9th of uh, 2009, I had run down and, and visited with him, and I knew I wanted the job, and I uh, was just contracted to stay at, at my business that I was in, my painting business, until August. And I asked him if he could, if he could hold the position until that, and he and he said he did, and and I was there from. Uh, you know, from 2009 to uh, 2022, um, absolutely fabulous run with G and G, and feel like I uh, was able to to keep the legacy going that that Ben had started. You know, we lost Ben during my tenure, we lost uh, my father during my tenure, and um, you know, and kept it rolling. And I thought we did a lot of really good and cool things, and developing some stuff and whatnot. So that uh that was that was a good run and now here we are um you know in that time we we bought into the legacy group we had the east coast classic you know things that you and i do together and uh you know making some moves making stuff happen i want to i want to talk a little bit about about how we met and i believe it was it was 2013 um and it might have been a little bit more before that i was i, I remember when you called because we had Sitting Bull at the time, and, and he was pretty hot. We were selling Sitting Bull heifers for $7,500 a pop when they were hitting the ground. And uh, yeah. Sitting Bull was a bull that Ben had syndicated. Ben had bought and then sold partnerships to Bill Hudson and Joe Munch. And then the three of them had syndicated that bull for $900,000 in one night at the Legacy Sale. And uh, I think it was 2008. But So you and I are I'm sitting at the airport, Dulles Airport, flying to San Antonio for a Texas Deer Association event. And, um, we were, uh, I get a phone call and <clears throat> at the time the TLMA was doing cross marketing with the Texas deer association and TDA. So we were setting up booze out there and just talking about, you know, longhorns and trying to, uh, you know, encourage similar demographics to get involved and, and create the threshold where, you know, they could cross over. And one of my things, and it always has been this way, especially 
coming into the industry at, as a ranch manager at 24 years old was really to kind of focus on, um, you know, some of these younger breeders and really wanted to help younger breeders. So I, at the time, um, you know, I get this call from, from Chase Vasut and he's looking for a sitting bull heifer and he's got $2,000 to spend. Um, and we don't have a $2,000 sitting bull heifer. So, uh, chat with him up a little bit. He's in college, all this stuff, yada, yada, yada. And, um, I want to help him out. So I had this little snowball, snow white heifer. Her name was, uh, we, I don't even think we had her name yet. Did we chase? I think oh, no. it was sitting dove. Sitting dove was what we, what we named her. And, and I actually got her name from, I believe it was Janet Gleason who gave me that. I put it out on Facebook to kind of come up with a name, but so we had this this young heifer, two thousand bucks, and um, as she grew, you know, I think you bought her at like three weeks old or something. It, yeah, it was in this was in January, um, so I was at the stock show, and you were going to bring her down to McCombs in May. Yeah, so she was a she was a young heifer, and um, so messing with the mic here. So <clears throat> I. Uh, as I'm watching her grow, I'm like, man, this isn't fair. Like, this is a young guy. He's putting his hard-earned money to it. I have another heifer out of a cow named Y.O. Aaron's girl, I think was her name. Or y maybe it was just Y.O. Aaron. <clears throat> and um, we named her Sitting Trigger. And uh, I said, you know what, Chase? I called you up. And I said, you know what, Chase? Let me trade you out. This one's got more color. I've actually had sold two full sisters uh, to her and that turned out you know nice and uh, I had what I had this heifer sitting trigger priced at 3500 and I sold you um, sitting dove for 2000 yep. so yep. Um, I was like let me just trade you out you know what's your thoughts on it <clears throat> and your response was do whatever you think is right you know more than I yeah exact quote I, I mean word for word so we traded out and uh i delivered her down the reds i remember uh, i got to meet you and your grandpa and um you know we became buddies over that you came came to deer or bear hunt with me the next year we went up the mountains the old timberbeck and uh we had just bought the cabin that fall so <clears throat> you flew in and went deer or bear hunting with me and we've been bed buddies ever since so uh sitting dove continued though right so we we hid sitting dove and the following spring is when Ben passed away in 2014, and uh, when Ben passed away, they named the legacy sale the heifer part of the sale after Ben. They named it the Ben Gravit Spotlight Heifer Sale. So Ann tells me, "Hey, we need to put our best heifer in this sale." You know, it being named after Ben, and I knew what heifer that was, and because I've been hiding her. And it was oh, this, yeah. this dang sitting dove. And the reason I've been hiding her is because I felt so guilty that she turned out the way she turned out. And we put her in the sale and she brings 20. The direct, the direct quote on Facebook was the best heifer we've ever raised. Well, and that wasn't a lie either. Um, <laughs> <laughs> at the time, that's that's what she was, right? She, she goes into legacy sale. She brings 21,000. Yep. So my two thousand dollar heifer sold for twenty one grand. 
that's uh that's true but that's not the only time anything like that's happened um, no no it happens to me a lot <laughs> well i mean we had the the lucky we had what's her name lucky yep yep Lucky's um, princess got what twenty five thousand dollars i got offered for yep 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 turned yep. it down and i think i just sold her this year for 1200 yeah i mean <laughs> that's kind of you know that's funny it's like our generation right we we learned to, to buy low and sell high out of textbooks that we paid 100 bucks for only to sell them at the end of the semester for 12 Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, well, my motto is just buy high, sell low. Well, amongst that, that was almost 10 years ago. We've we've stayed good buddies, and we've gone on a lot of hunting trips, um, and we've had a really good run at this point. And, you know, I think some of our greatest adventures are, are uh, ahead of us, right? So... In 2019, I was part of a buying group that bought out the the TLCA. Right, they they had some debt. They closed their doors. We bought the debt to make sure we paid off all the vendors, which were a lot of our Longhorn friends. Um, you know, hired hand and the likes. And uh, you know, we got the the legacy sale. We got the cherry blossom sale, and we got the the Longhorn World Championship with it. And uh, we kept the legacy sale. We kept the cherry blossom sale we eventually added a midwest sale to it and uh prior to that too i i'm sure it was prior to that. i can't remember when you got involved with the east coast classic um it was it was right after that was it east coast because so, i think dan i'm trying to think when the first east coast classic was i think it was 18 or 17 um, yeah and that's because it it happened yeah yeah i think it was 17 so so you you got involved in east coast classic in 2018 and yep. uh man i just i love working together with you right i think we ham and egg some of these these sales and these sales ideas and these sponsorship ideas and you know ways to make it grow and and that's really been the exciting part especially with the legacy sale over the last couple of years is you know some of the stuff we've come up with and been able to implement you know within the legacy sale um that and and the and the cool part is like with the credit to the group as well. Certainly. Um, you know it was it was tough with the with the TLMA because you know you had a board, um, and we had a lot of founding members. So, I mean, there was a lot of a lot of decision makers. Um, and with this group, you know, with Mike, Debbie, Ann, and Lane, um, and you, it's just like, hey, we got a cool idea, and they're like, make it happen. Go for it. Yep. Um, which is something, you know, I think we're, you know, as far, as far as my experience in the Longhorn industry, that's where we're able to flourish because, you know, that was like a leash off. It's on you. Make it happen. Well, and it's a, it's, it's a lot of opportunity to move laterally, right? Um, yep. Military talk about it quite a bit. Um, when you look at some of the traditional military tactics with something like the Marine Corps or, you know, Army Infantry or something like that where, hey, there's an objective, go get it. And maybe sometimes you need some special forces type of guys where it's like, okay, you need to do this and then you got to turn around and do this. And then you got to go over here and do that. And, um, just something that that's all different and, uh, can, can kind of change on the fly. And, um, you know, it's been interesting. It's been interesting to see things like this Longhorn legacy fraternity and how that's taken off. Um, you know, what we've done with that and, just some of the things, the sponsorship opportunities with zero percents and stuff, just to encourage people. So it's more of a partnership than it is a uh, than anything else, you know, amongst each other. And 
it's man i'm just excited for the future and 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 what that's going to be and it's, and it's only going to grow from there right i mean we got the legacy deadline coming up and man we got some knockout cows in this sucker yeah i mean and it's i mean we got like 70 inch two-year-olds 100 what should be seven or eight inches at the sale 50 50 daughter yep uh, it's, it's 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 been fun to see you know everything we believed in that you know we're going on what our third year this is the beat of fourth how, yeah the four oh yeah we had the covid year yeah uh, that was fun but um you know just seeing people buy in and get excited i mean we've had all kinds of people like hey i want to do this I'm like dude, whatever you want to do like we'll make it happen well it's it, you know and it's funny you bring up covid covid was our first year with yeah, the legacy sale was, right we we started working on that sucker in like was it like june of 19 yeah, and june of 19 deadline comes around December of 19, we're rocking and rolling. We got the catalog printed. We got it mailed out, proofed out. And it is, I remember the phone call. Like, it's Monday night of Legacy Week. And I'm leaving, I think, Wednesday morning. And, like, a week before that, we're talking about this this disease or whatever. This, you know, people are getting sick. And I'm not really paying much attention to it. And Mike Casey sends out an email to the group. Hey, we need to talk about this. And I'm thinking, what the hell is the big deal? And, uh, that was like on Sunday night, we have a call Monday night and like, dude, we're hours away from kicking this legacy week off. And that's when Texas, Texas shut down. mm -hmm. And the call was made to to postpone the sale, not cancel the sale, but postpone it. We didn't know when we were going to postpone it. We were, we didn't have any information. We're like, well, maybe we'll put it on cherry blossom weekend, which was in April and move the cherry blossom back. And we actually postponed the cherry blossom then too, until, uh, mid June, and then you know you did your magic. We we had to rebook the venue in October. Uh, we had to reprint the catalog, and you know that being our first sale, so, some people were probably a little hesitant to to be a part of it and support it and whatnot. But um, you know we made it happen, and and it turned out really awesome. So uh, that was yeah, just the beginning. Was, yeah, I'll never forget that. I was sitting down and. Port Lavaca, doing a little fishing trip before, and we had to start calling people. Just say, hey, you know, it's, yeah. I mean, because I mean, we had like Bob Larson was like hours from leaving to come down from Oregon. Yeah, we split the consignment page up. We had two pages yeah. of consigners, and you, you you were like, I'll take the left page, you take the right, and we just started reaching out to people. And and it, it d- yeah. dude, I was scared, man. Like, I'm not gonna be. I'll be honest with you. Like, I was afraid that people were gonna be like, screw it, like. If, if this is how we operate, you know, as far as a legacy group, like we don't want to be a part of this and nothing like that was, was ever done. Right. The Texoma sale was the week after the legacy. And at that point they were still, they were still planning to do their sale. Um, yeah. it wasn't until I think later in the week that they postponed their sale. Cause we had talked to them, reached out to them to see what, what their plan was. Cause there's no precedent for anything like this, like to cancel a sale, you know, days before it really started happening, like, I mean, that was a death penalty. And well, a little, I mean, and, yeah, and, and at this point, too, in mind, we didn't know what COVID was. No. All we knew is, like, hey, the state shut down. I mean, because I remember we had it lined up to do, we were going to do the sale at Mike Casey's ranch. Yeah. Yeah. And we're like, we'll, like, we'll move it to Bowie. Um, and so, yeah, it was just a wild year. I remember Lane, Lane's buddy, and I can't, I'm going to, I'll mispronounce his name, name, so I'm not even going to say it. You know who I'm talking about. He's the doctor in Houston. Yeah. And uh, 
I remember laying on the call being like, hey, like he's saying this isn't going to go away, right? Because it was like two weeks to flatten the curve, two weeks to flatten the curve. And we're like, oh, hell, we'll be good by mid-May or mid-April. And um, Lane's like, this isn't going away. Like he's saying this isn't going away. And I'm like, what the hell does he know? Um, So doctors. So uh, they're just practicing anyway. But yeah, yeah, that was was our first go around with it. And boy, was that a wrench. Um, thrown right into that sucker. You know, and, uh, the, the fun part about it too is, so we did that, and uh, so we moved that to October, and then we turned around and did another one in March. <laughs> yeah. So, so the sale was in October, and our deadline for the next legacy was like six or six weeks away. Yeah, and it's you know, and it's and that's a tough. We're like, well, it worked out well in the fall, but. I think that was the year too, because Hudson and or Bill and Elizabeth and Lorinda had to move the stockyard, you know, clean the jack up everything. So we're like, well, we don't need two, um, you know, big sales like this September and October. So yeah. Our option was either wait a year or do it. We just said, heck with it, let's roll. Yeah. Well, and, and then again, there was no precedent for anything like that, so yeah, it it, it worked wild. out, right? We. When when it hits the fan, I think we we buckled down pretty good. So, yeah, well, I was I never panicked. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> didn't even sweat it. Bring me my brown pants. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, man, I'm I'm excited for what the future holds for for us as a group, for you and I as as friends. Um, I know you got a little boy coming here in a, in a few weeks. I know you're pumped up for that. And, uh, you know, excited for the industry and, uh, you know, really to this podcast, um, this has been something that you and I've talked about for a long time and, you know, we got some cool things lined up with some great people within the industry and it's, it's only going to grow, right? I mean, the whole concept of this is to share information and, and, uh, you know, really try to help save some people, some, some time and or some money, right? And, and if we can do that in the Longhorn industry, uh, we've done our job and, and trying to keep the industry moving in a, in a positive direction. So, oh, absolutely, and and you know, and it's going to be more of a uh, the thing that excites me. It's kind of an off the cuff, behind the scenes deal. Um, you know, like everybody knows, you know, about the legend sale, right? Um, about the stockyard sale, but like we sit down with these guys that are running it and see, like it's you know, it's not a cookie cutter operation. No, um, you, know, you get guys like Bob Loomis or. Uh, the Mac and it's just I'm I'm really excited to get to know people better on a level other than just seeing them at sales and what kind of cows they have. I think the listeners too are going to be surprised about how interesting or how unknown you know or or unaware maybe that they are with some of these people um, and some of these things right because we we want to talk about what's happening in the Longhorn industry in the upcoming. Uh, podcast we want to talk about some of the insights that are going on and um you know also want to talk to these people and and kind of bring the community get community together even more um you know our our next one coming up is going to be jeremy and Lindsay mcintyre mcintyre farms i'll do a little plug for them right now and uh you know what they have going on and these are this is a young couple that's come in with a different outlook on the industry um and wanting to uh, kind of change some things around and, and have the ability to do that with some of their forward thinking. And that's what it takes, right? We want to talk about, if we look at <clears throat> the Longhorn world over the last 
you know, 20 years, right? And I'll pick the single most, in my eyes, the single most altering factor that's happened. And that's the development and the growth of these fraternities. And so what is the next step? Like, what is the next thing that's going to then grow us even more? And it might be a thing within a thing, right? It might be figuring out, and, 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 and we're working on it. You and I actively talk about this, figuring out how to make these fraternities bigger and better. Um, but maybe it's not. Maybe it's something we don't even know that's coming, right? In, in 1995, the, the millennium was established or created in 1999. But in 1995, like that wasn't on anybody's radar, um, same thing with the horn showcase and the measurement type of stuff. You know, when that happened, nobody really had that on their radar in the early nineties and look what it's done for the industry and look where it's pushed these cattle. The same thing with these millenniums or with these fraternities. So, um, it'll be interesting to kind of see how, uh, you know, where we are in five years, where we are in 10 years and it doesn't happen without the people. Like it's very much an organic type of growth. Absolutely. So, well, buddy, I wish you success on your trip. I, I hope you're safe and get back to your family soon. And uh, I look forward getting together here on the next uh, Tip to Tail podcast, and we'll keep on rocking it. Heck, yeah. Well, we'll, uh, yeah, we'll see everybody down the road, and we hope everyone has a Merry Christmas and a Merry Christmas. Absolutely. Merry Happy Christmas, holiday. everybody, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Everybody be safe. All righty. See ya. I